the Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Scooty Wop, welcome back to Oh Mr. Sheffield. This is episode 19. We're getting to the end of season one here as we talk about Fran Dresser's hit sitcom, The Nanny, in uh, laborious detail. Uh, This is uh, episode uh, 19 of the show, The Gym Teacher, that we're going to be breaking down for you. I am Shondi Pasquale here with... Toria Sheffield. Whoop, whoop, whoop. What, what? Um, yeah, this one was directed by Gail Mancuso, who's directed a couple, couple in a row here. And it was written by Alan Eisenstock and Larry Mintz. Um, Alan, from the best of my research, only did the one episode that he was credited as a writer. I'm sure he was in the writer's room for a season, but only wrote one. Um, and then wrote a bunch of like really impressive stuff. And uh, like prior to that, and then Larry, good old Larry here, uh, also has like a pretty seasoned career prior to this show. Um, And then, you know, it kind of dies down uh, after that. But Mork and Mindy, uh, what's happening? Uh, Family matters, step by step, hanging with Mr. Cooper. I mean, you know, these guys, these guys are TV vets, as Mm -hmm. it were. So- Mm -hmm. And and I, I would say overall, this is a solid episode. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, uh, this is a solid episode. It's it was the episode where Fran helps Maggie try to pass her gymnastics midterms. She's taking gymnastics in gym class. Um, I actually felt like this was an episode where it's very entertaining, but not a lot happens. Like we could explain the plot in like half a sentence and yeah i mean i i agree it, it, it was enjoyable though is the thing mm-hmm. like i i really enjoyed this episode it was funny um it had a lot of yiddish in it which we'll, we'll get to later um it had like you know i thought like a pretty classic setup as far as like you know sitcom plots go um and it mm-hmm. had a couple of really solid guest stars too yeah yeah and so basically what happens is um Fran discovers that Maggie has been feigning an illness to get out of gym class. And Maggie eventually reveals to her that it's because she's doing gymnastics this gymnastics this semester and there's this horrible teacher. She's like awful and and Maggie doesn't want anything to do with it. And Fran was like, Oh, I get it. I also had a horrible gym teacher when I was in high school. At the um, beginning, the- she's faking her period. <laughs> And she said, she says she's been faking it four times in that month. She's faked having her period, <laughs> which I just thought was like a really funny. And she like sells it. She's like, yeah, no, I like this is my fourth time. And then Fran just goes like, yeah, no, you don't have that doesn't happen. And she's like, oh, <laughs> yes. Um, and so essentially, though, in. Very shortly after this, Fran says, you know what? Fine. I will agree. I I will help you, you know, with this ruse. I will help you get out of this. I'll write you a note. We just need to figure out like what we're going to say you have. And there was this, this line that actually remember, uh, sorry, this line reminded me of something we went over a few episodes ago where um, we quoted the culture critic who uh, we're going to actually have on in a few episodes. Um, Yes who mentioned that one thing that was really revolutionary about the nanny at the time was how a character would be gay and they would just breeze past it. That wasn't the main, they didn't dwell on it. It wasn't a big deal. And um, even though some of those jokes might seem dated now, that was actually really new and refreshing then. And there's this line where 
Fran's like, well, we just need to craft you the right excuse. Maybe, maybe hammer toe. And um, uh, Maggie's like, what's that? And Fran goes, it's a cruel and crippling condition caused by shoving your feet into high heels that are too small. And if you don't think that's painful, just ask my uncle Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm not sure that might be the same Uncle Harvey who she said sang beautifully like Judy Garland uh, a few episodes. Yes, before. I think so. Same guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So she, you know, very. She clearly has a a gay uncle who she's very fond of. Um, yeah. To 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 the the, you know, again as you brought up, yeah, we're 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 going to have. Matt uh, Bomb. Yeah, yeah, Matt Bomb. We talked a couple weeks ago. We talked about his video and why Fran's fine with the gays. I think is is what the the video is called. And we reached out to him, and uh, and he he's like you know, completely down to come talk about the nanny. So he's going to close out season one with us uh, mm-hmm. as we talk about the season one finale. And then also sort of, you know, Fran's larger um, LGBTQ plus cultural impact. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's going to be super exciting. It's coming up. And yeah. the, so the, that's the main plot of this episode. Where, yeah. You know, uh, Fran is going to help Maggie with this gym class and terrible gym teacher situation. Meanwhile, the B plot is that as usual, um, Mr. Sheffield and Cece um, are trying to cast their latest show. It seems to be happening all the time. And Cece really wants them to cast this big-time actor named Alan Beck. And Mr. Sheffield is like, no, I, I hate Alan Beck. I actually was his assistant years ago when I was brand new to the industry back in London. And he said um, – he once tried to light me on fire when I forgot to put lemon in his tea. <laughs> and Cece go, Cece just goes, there are two sides to every story. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, there's possibly another side to that. Um, but however, she's like, if you get Alan Beck, if you get Alan Beck's name on a marquee, you can yeah. guarantee pre-sales for six months, which ultimately convinces Mr. Sheffield. So, so that's going on uh, while all this other stuff is happening. Um, and then we kind of bounce back to the Maggie Fran thing and, you know, the school calls home and they, they say, you know, Maggie's been out and actually they say like, can you, you know, it sounds like she has a heart murmur now. Um, and I thought this is really funny because Mr. Sheffield gets the call from the school, right? That Maggie has been claiming she has a heart murmur to get out of a specific class. He doesn't know that Fran helped her craft this excuse. So he calls Fran into his office and is like, he actually says, do you know anything about Maggie having a heart murmur? Which is like, <laughs> like, like he doesn't say it in a way where it's like, I know what's going on here. It was a no. genuine question. Yeah, which I thought he truly is a very absentee father. And then he just says, Miss Fine, can, can you take care of it? Like, I, And maybe we can just assume that he assumes it was made up, but he doesn't want to have to deal with all of that. But But I have a note here where I wrote, can you even imagine your parents not dealing with this directly when you were a kid? <laughs> no. Like like the no. school calls home and is basically like your kid has been lying to get out of this class and you're and you don't get any confrontation from them. So she Fran takes Maggie to to gym class, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz she's basically like I'll talk to your teacher, we'll sort yeah. this out. Um, and they walk in and She's like, oh, my God, I haven't been to gym class in so long, you know? And um, she goes, oh, look at the rings. And then she goes like, ugh, I got no use for rings unless someone's putting one on my finger. Mm-hmm. And then she sees, what is it called? Like a horse? Uh, uh, 
it's like a, a I forget what it's called, but I'm also getting thinking the word horse. Wait, the vault? Horse. Isn't it the vault? Hold on. Um, a Charlie horse? No, no, no. Wait, gymnastics. Not Charlie <laughs> horse. It's a, a horse. A pommel horse? Yes. It's pommel the thing, horse. Yes. It's the thing that like it. it yeah, it looks like a, a horse. I don't know. What it, I don't know. It, anyway. it looks like this. It looks like a big balance beam that's like thicker than a balance beam. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and like it's the thing that like they like will go up on their arms and like swing their legs around and do all the cool stuff. Anyway, she like gets she like friend like climbs up on it. And then she goes, oh, and this thing I used to. And then she goes, nah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> It was a sex joke. It was like she and she and boys used, she used to, to like like lay over it and and have sex on it. Is that what the joke was? Yes, yeah. Or was she was it like she like used to ride it and like get off on? Oh it? no 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 no! It was a uh, I, I don't think it was a self pleasure joke. I think it was uh she used to have sex on She's it. Like oh, I used to lay over this thing. Oh, I get it. All right. Yeah yeah yeah. Shame. I mean, on unless her. it was significantly more risque than I thought it was as a joke, but I don't think so. I don't think so. But but I uh, really enjoyed we'll this. We'll have to ask Friend Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, no, I really enjoyed this scene because while they're kind of like, you know, sauntering around this um, this gym, Fran says something like, oh, you know, Maggie, you know, ultimately it's not worth all this hoopla for just, you know, 40 minutes. You should just, you know, come to this class. And Maggie goes, no, gym class is 45 minutes. And that leads to this really funny little um, sequence where Fran is like, Maggie, Maggie, no, like you have so much to learn. First, you you, like before gym class, you got to get dressed. Take your time. You're not a fireman. Then you volunteer to get the equipment. That's at least 12 minutes. That leaves about 20 minutes for you to look for your contact like and she just goes through like all the little tricks and tips of making gym class be as short as humanly possible and like i remember you know like this really took me back to like that time of life when like you would do that for stuff you'd be like yeah. oh i'm supposed to go uh do such and such with the equipment i'm definitely gonna make that take 15 minutes longer than yeah or you just like i mean i remember my buddy dave and i when we were in middle school and we had this coach who he used to call us Ren and Stimpy. Um, he'd be like, all right, Ren and Stimpy, you know? And then like, once it became like, like in fashion, then he would, he shifted eventually to Beavis and Butthead like a year mm-hmm. later. He's like, all right, Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and we, so we would, you know, everyone would have to do like laps or whatever around the thing. And like, we would just like walk, we would just straight up walk it. <laughs> You know, and like pushing to the limit what the definition of doing laps was, you know, and he'd be like, come on, pick up the hustle, Beavis and Butthead. And we'd be like, okay. And then like, we would just, you know, we would just walk and like talk about wrestling and like cartoons that we watched, you know, like do like Simpsons quotes at each other. So BSing my way through gym was very relatable. I have to say, um, um, I, you know, I expected that from you and I, we will get into that. We'll get into that at the end, but when we do the friend, the CC, but, Mm -hmm. um, then we meet the gym teacher, which I was very excited about this actor. Do you know this actor? Oh, yes. So yeah, it's very familiar. So that we meet the gym teacher 
And it turns out that it was the very same gym teacher that Fran had in high school, like who yes. she had alluded to have, you know, she said, I had this horrible gym teacher. No one could have been as bad as my gym teacher. And she turns around and it's Rita Moreno, who is- Rita Mo- Kiss well, of the Spider Woman, Rita Moreno, West Side Story, Rita Moreno, Sister Peter Marie, Riamundo on Oz, she Rita is a, Moreno. a Broadway legend and a the musical voice, legend. Uh, the, the, the voice of Carmen Sandiego in the 90s animated Where uh, on the Earth is Carmen Sandiego television series on on Kids Kids Saturday Mornings. Yeah, no, I mean, she, she is truly like in the theater community and just in the musical community like for actual she's a legend yeah like musicals that were were movies like west side story she's actually in singing in the rain and the king and i as well do you know she's Um, in the steven spielberg remake of west side story too she's she's got a little small role which looks fantastic by the way okay do a whole podcast on the west side story um here's the weird thing about this out did you notice that she appears and there is no audience indication that she is a guest star because what often happens in sitcoms is when a famous person appears in a role, like there, there is this sort of um, little thing. Yeah, there's a signal to Did the. They not do that? No, I re- I even went back to rewatch it really? because there is an there is another guest star who is arguably less famous. I will say who appears later Joseph in the Bologna. show. Yes, and when he appears on screen, it's like huge applause yeah. and so i was like wait a second huh. did they not do that for rita i went back and they did not and i thought that was so weird because she's not only so famous in the world in the world of musical theater but probably people who love this show would have definitely recognized her i mean this um, show that's so interesting i mean look this show has a ton of musical theater character actors at new york actors that pop up on it so you know, I, on the one hand, I'm um, I'm really surprised that she, that Rita Moreno was just like shuffled in. They're like, oh, this broad. <laughs> well, especially because she they do give her this really great homage in the episode's button, so it's clear that they are expecting people to know exactly who she is. It was just so it was a strange yeah. choice. I, I was odd. It made me and, pop. and honestly, if you don't get that reaction live, why not add in a little, you know, yeah. Pop? I mean, it's not, well, they add in, they're adding in laughter. And I mean, there's, you know, clearly a laugh track also at play in some of these. Um, but basically, it's kind of funny because Fran sees her and she's like, Miss Wojcovic? Like, you you changed your name um, because this is why Fran hadn't realized that Maggie had the same teacher because it's a different last name. And yeah. the woman goes, well, I got married. And Fran goes, to a man? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is a classic gym teacher joke. Yeah, I mean. classic lesbian I mean, gym teacher joke. Yeah, And sure. I'm not going to lie. I had a couple lesbian gym teachers. It so is a tro- trope that um, that holds up. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, look, for what it's worth, my first exposure to just like a, a gay person was my gym teacher uh, in elementary school. And, mm-hmm. she, and she was a wonderful lady. Um, well, absolutely, absolutely. But like that, that just exposure to her led to a conversation, you know, with my parents and, mm-hmm. you know, who, you know, who ob- obviously were very progressive parents. <laughs> they were like, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, you could never talk to her again. We're pulling you out of that school. Yes, yeah. uh, no, um, they were very progressive parents and uh, lovely, lovely. So humans. here's the thing. I, the high school that I went to, because it no. technically was a Episcopal school, even though there was definitely kids who weren't Episcopal who went there. A uh, guidance counselor got pregnant out of wedlock, and she was basically asked not to come back. Oh my gosh! Isn't that crazy? That's not that long ago. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, um, all right, we got anyway, way off track. Oh, sorry, but so 
Um, the, the, so they, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Like, get, take us home. Okay. So basically, uh, it's this huge reveal. This is the woman who tormented Fran in her youth. And this woman basically says, like, uh, if Maggie does not pass the midterm next week, the gymnastics midterm, she's going to fail the class. And so Fran is like, um, fine. Like, I'm going to make sure she passes. I am going to train her. And the gym teacher just laughs and laughs. She actually looks at Maggie and says, I'm going to make you suffer so bad you'll beg me to kill you. And then she walks off and Fran just goes, you know, marriage has mellowed her. <laughs> and sort of the um, the kind of like parallel plot line that's happening during this is we go back to sort of Mr. Sheffield and this, this actor, Alan Beck. And sort of the parallel is that both Fran and Mr. Sheffield are dealing with people from their past who terrorize them, right? And the actor who plays Alan Beck is actor Joseph Bologna, who, yeah. by the way- Joey is- Bologna. <laughs> well, no, I was going to, yeah, so like, I was going to say he is married to, he was married to Renee Taylor, aka mm. Fran's mother, Sylvia. Yeah. Um, and they were married from 1965 until his death in 2017. Wow. And the thing is, the audience goes crazy when they see him, yeah. even though I didn't recognize him, but I did Google him and his, probably his biggest uh, movie was Peter O'Toole's My Favorite Year. Yes, I, was, that's, I instantly, I was in the musical My Favorite Year. Uh, so I watched uh, that movie a bunch, and I instantly, as soon as he walked in, I recognized his voice as King Kaiser in my favorite. Oh, years. so you know what? He was also in the movie Blame It on Rio, which is a true abomination of. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible movie. It's so disgusting. For yeah. those who don't know, it's um, Michael Caine and his best friend, played by this guy, go on a vacation with their two teenage daughters. And then Michael Caine ends up having a sexual affair with his best friend's 16-year-old daughter. And it's just a uh, supposed to be a hilarious summer romp. It's not a drama. It's not a uh, – he's not morally implicated in any way. Um, it is just a horribly misguided comedy yeah. from the 70s. No, it's, it's just an excuse. It's, uh, what's, it's Michelle Johnson and Demi Moore. Demi Moore. And oh. it's just an excuse to get them naked. They're, they're topless multiple times in the movie. Like it's definitely played – they are not played like two 16-year-old girls. They are played like – I mean, they are, they, I mean, or they're 16 year old girls who are just like hilariously topless around their dad. <laughs> oh my God. And the thing is, Michael Caine, like this, this beautiful teenage girl is like coveting him the whole movie. Yeah. And he's really not an attractive man. Uh, but anyway, sorry, I, Michael Caine. Uh, I really I love Michael Caine, but I I hate Michael that movie Caine. so much. Um, anyway, Michael so Caine, what do you mean I'm not attractive? <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My favorite is is Michael Caine is like famous for, even though he's a great actor, sometimes just being in horrible movies. And one time a critic said, did you actually like see that film you were in? He went, no, but I I saw the house it bought me. (laughs) I think it was for Jaws the Revenge, actually. Oh, yeah. It was like touche, Michael Caine. Um, Good for you. But so anyway, this – 
we were back with Mr. Sheffield and this Alan Beck who is, you know, continuing to totally abuse him. And he's like this egomaniac. Um, he, when he first walks in the room, he looks at Mr. Sheffield and he's like, you look familiar. And Mr. Sheffield's like, ah, oh, yes, I once worked as your assistant back in London. Right. And the guy goes, oh, give me a coffee. And then Mr. Sheffield's like, oh, I'm, I'm actually the producer now. And he just looks at him without missing a beat and goes, with cream. <laughs> um, basically, he's such um, an egomaniac that we find out he's in He's insisting that he plays a character who's in a wheelchair, not in a wheelchair. And then Mr. Yes. Raphael goes, but he, but it's FDR. <laughs> so we yeah, we find it was a great reveal great of like reveal. who the character is where, yeah, basically uh, Alan Beck is insisting he plays a version of FDR who's not in a wheelchair because he's like refusing to be uh, portrayed that way. Um, and, and so that he goes, what does he say? He goes like, he goes, you know, that's FDR. He had polio. And and, and I think- Find I, a cure. Yeah. He goes, find a cure. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Fran and Mr. Sheffield that evening are commiserating in the kitchen. And they both say, you know, we've got to stand up to these people from our past. And they both sort of share how it's going to be. How they, they don't know if they can. Um, but, but they do have this little beat where they kind of, they bond over this sort of shared experience they're going through. And the next scene is literally, uh, it is Maggie's midterm. So like a week has gone by. And and we did have a very brief little training montage moment with um, Fran and and Maggie where they both fall to the floor because they're both very uncoordinated. But, but this particular moment at the midterm, it's this huge moment of physical comedy for the actress who plays Maggie, who is uh, Nicole Mary Tom. Um, and it's literally just this montage of her like stumbling and fumbling um, to the Rocky music. Um, Classic. And doing a horrible job. Despite all the training that she and Fran have done that week, she's just made no progress, but she's giving it her all. And, you know, God, you know, good job to this actress. She is yeah. – uh, there was no vanity to this, this no, no, performance. No, no, it's a good physical comedy. Again, we've got another episode that uh, – Gail Mancuso directed where there's like really solid physical comedy work. And I, and I think that this, it holds up. It's funny. You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a funny little cute montage and, and yeah. And, and they make it, they, they make it very clear. She's not, she's not going to get it. Yeah. She's not good. And, you know, at the end of it, Fran basically turns to this horrible gym teacher and is basically like, you know, could you pass her? She, she gave it her all. And the, and this teacher goes, Nope. F this like woman who truly gets, joy from failing children is is gonna fail maggie and she's about to blow her gym whistle which she has been doing all episodes sort of obnoxiously in people's faces when she inhales i guess too um in too strongly and starts choking on the whistle and Fran realizes she's choking. And there's this other great moment of physical comedy when Fran Drescher is giving Rita Moreno the Heimlich. And, you know, yeah. the, the whistle pops out of her mouth. And basically this causes um, this horrible gym teacher to pass Maggie begrudgingly out of gratitude. She has to sort of – and this – actually, I'm just going to even quickly jump ahead. This led to my favorite line of this whole episode, which is – Fran looks at this gym teacher and goes, I may not have passed gym, but lucky for you, I passed the Heimlich poster every Sunday at the Foon Lung's Chinese restaurant, <laughs> which is so good. I didn't so pass good. gym class, but I passed the Heimlich poster. That's so good. 
Um, it was so good. And so yeah. that, you know, that wraps up that subplot. And then we go back to, you know, it's not even the B plot. It's sort of their like um, almost equally significant A plots where Mr. Sheffield, you know, Mr. Sheffield's in his office and Alan Beck is listing off these absurd demands and he's smoking a cigar and Mr. Sheffield then, you know, I guess after his conversation with Fran about sort of facing the demons from your past, he goes, I've got some offers of my own, <laughs> at which point he pulls out an even bigger cigar yeah. and lights it with an even bigger lighter, basically like, you know, it's a dick swinging contest basically at this point. And he's like, from now on, I'll give the orders around here. Um, and Alan Beck's like, or, and he goes, or oh, you're fired. And Alan Beck accuses him of bluffing, at which point he walks out of Mr. Sheffield's office into the um, living room of the home. And the room is full of all of these actors who look like they are auditioning for his role as FDR. And Fran literally goes, oh, Mr. Sheffield, Anthony Hopkins just called and asked if he should bring his own wheelchair. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, which is so funny. Like, can you imagine Anthony Hopkins having his own wheelchair ready for for roles? For any audition? Yeah, he's like, he's um, like I and, can and bring so, it. Yes, Alan Beck. You know, as a typical fearful actor, turns out at his core, totally caves. And that is the episode. Um, again, was, pretty- that whole setup was very sitcomy. Uh, th- that ending felt like like would anyone ever do that? Like, would, I, I literally wrote, "Would this ever happen?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because there's a beat after he leaves. He's like, "Okay, you know, uh, I'll be good" or whatever, and he leaves, and then everyone cheers, and and Mr. Shepherd's like, "Good job, Fran! Like it worked." And she's like, "Thanks, everybody," and everyone's like, "No problem, Fran," and they all, and it's like. I don't know. Would that have ever happened? She called all those actors and got them to pretend to do that. Like, I mean, hey, honestly, the, with the desperation in the New York acting community, maybe the audacity, honestly, to to uh, to ask me to come do this to get another person to keep their job who's an asshole. I'd be like, just replace them with me. Yeah, but it's a you know, in in terms of the con in the context of the episode, it's this very satisfying moment where you know Mister Sheffield has conquered this this thing from his past and he is gaining the upper hand, and then the whole episode ends with this button. Great of, line. This this I really like the end of this the the line at the end. Yeah. So Fran is with her gym teacher again, played by Rita Moreno, and they're looking through. Fran's old high school yearbook and you know at one point Fran's like oh there I am with you know such and such boy and Rita goes that kind of boy he'll kill your brother and Fran goes oh no he was nice and then she goes forget that boy and find another one of your own kind stick to your own kind and it it was just they're purely for like we are so excited that we have Rita here and and they're just completely just like geeking out and that's all it was. And it was just for people who were going to geek out about, you know, the Broadway of it all. Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, it's, it's. Hey, they got me. I, I popped. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so it was just, you know, it was totally unnecessary, but totally like we're delighting in this right now. Which um, brings us to. Segments. Segments. And now segments. So. Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments. Uh, with Sean and Toria. Um, favorite lines. Oh, favorite lines. Oh, my. um, we we really didn't talk about Niles at all in this episode. But um, my f- 
favorite moment was early in the episode. Niles is washing the windows in Mr. Sheffield's office and it's making this kind of annoying squeaking sound. And Mr. Sheffield just goes, oh, come on, Niles, I'm trying to work. And Niles goes, as opposed to what I'm doing, which is a hobby. <laughs> it's just like, it's so dry. It's so vicious. It's it's also makes me laugh, you know, their dynamic. He, he's so insolent to Mr. Sheffield. Yeah. And and I but I also wrote it's weird that your employee knew you when you're sorry that your employer knew you when he was a baby. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so it's like of course of course this is like this dynamic is going to persist. Um and then I wrote the royal family is so weird. Like the idea that yeah. like you know you are um you are taking care of somebody who like far outranks you. <laughs> Small child. It's very uh, strange, isn't it? Weird. <clears throat> yeah. Um and I already talked about that Heimlich poster was my other all-time favorite. One of my favorite lines maybe of the whole series so far. I really liked the Eleanor Rigby line. That's If, if I'm going to go for favorite lines, I really liked – she says some quote and then she goes – she goes – she needs to be quoting Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> but she says, yes, that's what Eleanor Rigby said. No, no. She said – she goes, oh, you know, like Eleanor Roosevelt. And she goes um, – and then she quotes the song – and then he right. goes, that was Eleanor Rigby. And she's like, right. oh. <laughs> I like um, it. I like the Beatles. I, I, listen, I'm a sucker for a Beatles reference. So Nanny Trivia, this isn't really apropos of anything, except that I was reading more articles um, yes. about, um, you know, the nanny in – as sort of this like crucial um, gay text, <laughs> there was actually yes. a uh, article that had that headline, and and there was um, a writer. Um, oh no, I didn't. Oh yeah, I do. I, this writer named Brett White. I, I thought I had forgotten to grab his name. Um, who wrote an article called "The Nanny Is a Crucial Gay Text That Must Be Preserved and Celebrated," and he actually really broke down why Fran finds specifically speaks to so many gay men and i thought it was really interesting and such a wonderful endorsement of fran um and just an interesting perspective so he writes in a decider article from april 7th 2021 he says the biggest reason is fran find her oh sorry um this specifically was why the nanny speaks to gay men so strongly and he says the biggest reason is Fran Fine herself. With her distinct voice, party girl fashion, and unflappable confidence, she's the ideal outsider. She's a Jewish woman from Queens dropped into a wasp's nest in Upper, in upper Crest, Manhattan. Yet it never phases her. She never tones down her wardrobe. She never loses her accent. She never misses a sale or skips a tradition. That's the vibe that every gay man dreams of. To be able to go where you want to go without having to compromise your authentic self. How many of us have had to watch what we wear, censor what we say, and hide who we love based on which job we have or which state we may be stopping in for gas. Fran Fine is the ultimate uncompromising gay ideal. And without realizing it, I related to her in middle school because everyone had figured out that I was gay long before I did and they held it against me. And it's like, what a, what a wow. beautiful sentiment. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it gives us, we, we love this character and there's a lot of things we love about her. But again, like this is um, another reason to love her from a perspective that neither you or I might ever have thought no, about. A hundred percent. But like neither one of us decided to do this podcast because we were like, and she's a gay icon. 
That's mm-hmm. absolutely something that I've learned over just the course of doing this. What was our Yiddish this this our this Our Yiddish um, maker. Macher. I said it. Macher. Macher. And, you're a big uh, macher producer, she says. Yes. Fran macher. says you're a big macher producer now to Mr. Yeah. Sheffield. And a macher is an influential or powerful macher. person, someone who makes things happen. Yeah. And it's actually in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary as an English word now. It has been fully adopted into English. Macher, really? Macher. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. you're a maker, you know, like a mover and a shaker. Uh, mm-hmm. And a mocker. And yeah. uh, we also heard the phrase kvetch, which kvetch. just means to whine or complain. Yes. That's what often uh, I can be found doing. Mm-hmm. Me mm-hmm. too. Kvetching. I, I love to kvetch. One of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> Me too. Me too. To the point where uh, Elizabeth once was like, oh, you love kvetching. <laughs> like she just – she said it so innocently and was just like, yeah, that's what you love. And I, I was like, yeah, no, I genuinely – you know me well. I mean, um, I think the alt. I, I oh, think I guess you can say. I guess technically, by the time this episode out comes out, I can say my fiance. <gasps> my fiance. My fiance. My fiance. Are you gonna? <laughs> oh no! Are you gonna say it all the time now? My fiance. <laughs> I'm gonna say it just like that every time. <laughs> I was taking a dump when my fiance <laughs> knocked on the boudoir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, okay. No, that will be the first and last time I ever say fiance, um, unless she's uh, around. Because I'm sure if I call her my girlfriend after I we're engaged, she's no. But yeah, I guess you could say partner. But then it's like, what is that even? Um. So okay, no, you're I actually my partner. Had... <laughs> you know what I mean? It gets super weird when you also have a partner who's female, and you're like, oh, my partner Toria, and they're like, oh, how long have you been together? And you're like, mm, we've been doing this show oh, for a long time. Monica's Monica's mother's friends, Monica, my roommate, and like a writing partner that I have, they 100 percent um, for a long time thought that I was Monica's girlfriend because her mother kept saying, oh, Monica's partner and her, they just relocated to LA. Um, yep. Um, all right. So who's the friend and who's the chichi? <laughs> so my instinct was spot on based on what you said about trying to get out of gym class. I said, yeah. I feel like you're the friend. I didn't mind Jim. I liked Jim. And I wrote, I wasn't like a gym star, but I also wasn't one of those kids trying to get out of it. Um, and I felt like you probably were. I just didn't understand why you were made to get sweaty and disgusting in the middle of of your school day. It just didn't make, it was like, to to what end? What am I proving? I'm a kid. I go run around (laughs) and I play. The whole point of wanting to get out of school was that so I could go run and play and ride my bike and do adventures. And like, I don't like work should have a mandatory gym time so that all, all of us old fat asses can be forced to do something. I was going to say, are you the type of person though, who like, there's like a pickup game of soccer Will you be into it? <laughs> what? Like, well, like, you know, like if I'm like, I'm trying to gauge just no. how not of a no, sports zero. guy. Okay, zero so- percent sports guy. If someone to the point where like my dad used to be like, do you want to go out front and throw a baseball? And I would go, mom, no. <laughs> okay. So I think, yeah, that's the big difference between us. I, we would go and kick a soccer ball around in the backyard and um what to I, what end 
just fun, just to see how hard you could kick it. Just, just, just cause it was fun. And then, and here's the thing. I'm not a huge sports person. Like I have people in my family who would, who are really into sports. I just enjoy, um, I can enjoy physical activity. And to this day, to this day in my mid thirties, I cannot resist a foot race. If you challenge me to a running race, I will, I will take it. I can get competitive like that. So I did not like gym class. You did. We now know the origin story of both, uh, why we, why we ended up where we ended up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, I work, I think that's a good, that's a good button point for this episode. Right. I mean, for the gym teacher, look, if you think that maybe I should get more into sports or you think, uh, Toria should be, should be a little (laughs) less butch, um, you know, uh, <laughs> drop us a line. Let us know. You can find us uh, all over the place on every podcasting thing that you do. You can also go to anchor.fm slash the nanny pod and uh, you can leave us a message or you can subscribe. Um, a big, big shout out, big ups to uh, to uh, our subscribers, our people listening, people that have been reaching out to us. It's super, super, super cool uh, that people are engaged and liking what we're doing and and having fun rewatching the nanny because really that's I'm having a great time just rewatching the nanny and having someone to talk to every week. So if this is a similar type of outlet for you, then I totally get why you're listening along with us as we go on this uh, short journey. Thank you guys. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Bye. The flashing girl from flashing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Anyway, uh, uh, Miss Fine.